November 21st, 2021. We're continuing in Nefesh HaChayim. We're here in Sha'ar Dalid, in Perik Yod Dalid, on page 695 here in these blue books. And uh, if you count from the bottom, I feel like I'm teaching Gemara right now. It's about seven lines up. And we're concluding Perik Yod Dalid. We read in Perik Yodald, which really was the uh, conclusion of his, uh, of his discussion, of Nefesh Haim's discussion throughout, of the uh, ability through Torah to perceive existence and reality, and in turn to sustain existence and reality, and furthermore to push it forward to continue the development of the world from, a le- from, a, from an existence of tohu to one of meaning of divinity. Here, in the concluding lines, he quotes from Tana Liel, which of course is an ancient collections of Midrashi, collection of Midrashim. A person who studies Torah brings toba la'olam. Hard to translate the word toba in this context. In general, hard to translate the word toba. Does toba mean goodness? Might be what it's referring to. Toba in seder ma'aseh bereshit, of course, means, generally speaking, completeness or completion. It probably means both over here. It's just hard to define that difficult, ambiguous word, which is goodness. Irrespective of that, he continues, says, Ve'yacholhu, says Tanad Ve'liyahu, levakesh rachamim, ulitpalel lefnei HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He says, through Torah, a person uh, achieves the, the capability, the possibility of now being able to engage in tefillah with God. Uh, why through Torah is he able to engage in tefillah? Well, it's a concept we've discussed on more than one occasion. For example, best in my mind portrayed from Harambam's description of the misvah of Avodat Hashem, the Torah in several places. Specifically in Parashat Vayet Hanan talks about Ul'obdo, Va'avadetem, you have to have Avodat Hashem. What does it mean to have Avodah? Of course, we generally speaking, the Gemara Masechet Ta'anit and Daf Bet Amut Bet says, Ezi Avodah Shebalev, that's Ul'obdo, Bechol Vavchem, so we generally speaking associate worship, quote, of the heart as prayer. That's the uh, general conception. Harambam as a result counts prayer as a mitzvah min ha-Torah. However, Harambam cites from Midrash, from Michilta, that avodah also refers to Torah. It refers to an understanding of God. To worship God means not only through our speech and through, call it, our heart, but it's through our minds as well. And perhaps we need to alternatively re-understand, reinterpret what Torah is. Torah is not only a worship of mind, but it's a worship of heart as well. And as a result, there's a beautiful symmetry over here. There's a beautiful coming together of prayer and Torah in this, um, and listen, the Gemara has several circumstances. The Gemara and Nifsak Lehalacha, ideally a person prays in the same place that they study Torah. Harambam mentions this in his Mishneh Torah as well, for the same reason, because to truly understand God will then bring, you know, kind of the way he describes Ahavat Hashem, will then bring to the greatest uh, approach of him as well. To understand him means studying Torah. To approach him then is perhaps done through Tefillah. Furthermore, someone showed me a quote from Sifat Emet this past week. I didn't have a chance to um, look at it inside in its uh, full context. However, the statement in it was that to have true avodat Hashem and to have a genuine prayer, it means to be engaged with an understanding of God throughout our lives. The description of prayer as avodah, as worship, as something that's 
further and larger encapsulating, broader than just a, con- a strict confines of words that I'm going to utter, or a statement of mind or of heart, well, that's a description of how we truly approach God. That's fulfilled through everything that means to say that uh, if, if you're working on your prayer, it means you're working on your character. It means you're working on what takes place outside of the knis. That, in turn, will enhance your prayer. Okay, well, that being the case, says Nefesh HaHayim Yachol Hu excuse me, Tanad Rahamim through the Torah. Then he has a, a poetic line, which of course raises my radar. If taken literally, it says that you're going to make a hole in the heavens, and in turn you'll bring rain to the world. Now those are poetic lines, but they are very rep- they're representative of something a lot deeper than just a strict physical rain which comes forth from the heavens. And I'd like to, just for a few moments, to portray that to you. I imagine if you've listened to me, if you've learned with me, you've heard similar or identical approaches to this matter, but it's worth, it bears mention once again, the Pasuk in Bereshit and Perek Aleph, Pasuk Aleph here on the source sheet in source number one. Baruch on day two creates a separation between upper and lower waters. That's what the words in the Pasuk say. Uh, does it mean actual waters up there? Of course, we know scientifically there aren't waters up there, but there's vapor, there are gases. It's the ability, physically speaking, to separate between a lower and upper domain. And when we think about this in a more expansive vision, in a broader vision of what it means in terms of God's relationship with the world, in terms of existence as we know it today versus, quote, the way it once was, well, that is, as the Midrash says in source number two, the creation, the coming into being of mahlokit. That's a separation between upper and lower realms, right? Initially, it's all one. There's tohu vavohu, if you will. God is hovering above it, but that is all oneness. There's no separation between upper, call it the divine, the the angelic realm, the place of, of, of uh, spirituality, if you will, and the lower mundane, human-like uh, existence and world. And as a result, day two separates them. All that already, the reference to matar being brought forth through Torah, Torah, which again, Torah is our perception of reality better. It's our understanding of God, of divinity, of the source of existence. Well, we kind of already are on a track of understand, to understanding. Well, what does it mean to bring water in the in in the in the broader sense of that word? Bringing water means, in some way, reverting, so to speak, digressing, but positively digressing to a time during which it's all one, during which that division between us in this world and he in that world is null and void, it's inexistent. For example, to portray it a bit further, with a bit more color, the Pasuk in Bereshit Perek Bet, beginning with Pasuk Dal, it says, Ele tole dot This is the introduction to in full color, in full detail, humanity's beginning. But prior to human beings, Pasuk says that there hadn't been full growth of the vegetation, of the grass, of the trees in the fields, because, and there are several reasons mentioned in the Pasuk, the one we'll most specifically hone in on is, there are no human beings. However, no rain, there was something else which is apparently sustaining 
what was there in its initial stages, the id a certain wetness, a certain moistness, perhaps a cloud, um, rose up from the ground, and in turn, it caused a certain fertility to the ground. It brought forth a moistness to the ground. That's the description in the Pesukim. So it's an interesting dichotomy. On the one hand, there's already a moistness. On the other hand, there's not a full growth. The potential hasn't been maximized because rain has not sprouted forth from the heavens. And that's the birth of, or the creation of humanity. Says Rashi, what does it mean? In this context, brings us back to my initial conversation with you this morning. Meaning meaning prayer. There was no human being to pray for rain. It appears as if, so to speak, the primary mandate of human beings, our responsibility, is to pray for rain. If taken in the literal sense, that's very strange. To just pray for rain our entire lives. To be makir betovatan shel ha-geshamim v'kadosh baruch is just strange taken in its less literal, more expansive, broader understanding, we kind of understand what this is describing. It describes the mission of humanity, to be able to perceive, to find in a world which appears to be devoid or distanced from that divinity, which kind of ascended upward in that division on day two. Well, that's what it means to pray for rain. In fact, Aderet Eliyahu in Bereshit Perek Bet, right there, Pasuke, Gaon Mivilna, he distinguishes between what he calls, and I always like to refer to it as Maim Ha'elyonim and Maim Ha'tachtonim, and that's referred to in these Pesukim as the Matar, the Maim Ha'elyonim, the upper waters, and the Maim Ha'tachtonim, that's the Ed, that's the mist which comes from the ground, envisioned as follows in the physical sense first, having lakes, having rivers, having oceans, which sustain us, having an irrigation system, it's all wonderful. You might even find God in that once in a while, but ultimately speaking, you're sustaining yourself based on directly your own efforts. It's when you're able to look upward, when you're able to realize and understand the physical, I'm talking physically right now, sustenance from God in the rain from the heavens, well, that's when you're connecting worlds. That's when you're understanding God's role best in all that takes place in this world. Moving beyond the physical sense, again, it means two different ways of living our own lives. We can live our lives in a way in which, yeah, we are connected to God. And we do find him once in a while, maybe even often in our own lives, but generally speaking, we're working in ma'im which means to say we're not actually finding, it's the example I gave on Friday night, of you have in your business a minyan, you have in your business a class. That's fantastic. You're dealing with ma'im ha'ilyonim in those contexts. You walk into the business room and there's the ma'im ha'tachtonim right back in this ground. Alternatively, in the business dealing, you're bringing ma'ayim into it, which means to say you're being informed by, inspired by, directed by divine mandates and understanding of what God's existence means in this deal, what sort of genuine approach you have to have to it, what sort of honesty, what sort of sense of mission and ambition you're bringing to that deal. Well, that's being able to operate in life with ma'ayim ha'ayim. In fact, the Gemara in Masechet Ta'anit and when envisioning the imagery, when describing or depicting what rain looks like in the eyes of the rabbis, <laughs> often times refer to rain as 
revi'a. Now, lirvo'a, peloni rav'ani lirsoni, we learned in Masechet Sanhedrin not too long ago, is the act of penetration and reproduction and sex. And as a result, the Gemara is a little bit confused. Why is rain referred to as penetration almost in a sexual fashion? Answers the Gemara, davar shirovea karka. You have to envision the rain, so to speak, as if it's penetrating the ground. Kidder of Yehuda, damar of Yehuda, mitra ba'ala de'arahu. In fact, says the Gemara of Yehuda, said the rain is the husband of the ground, which depicted as follows, taking it beyond, again, the crass or coarse description of reproduction, understand it as a noten and a mekabel, right? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the mashpia, he's the one who, so to speak, is, not so to speak, who directly is involving himself, if you find it, if you're makir in your life, that's the rain which is emanating from the heavens, descending into your ground, and you are the ground, you are the Adam, who's taken from the Adama, you're the nukba, you're the nekeva, the feminine side, the, recept- the receiving side. When do you start? When it, once upon a time there was a specific biracha they said on the rain. When do you say it? And listen to the imagery. It's when the hatan is going out to the kalah. The vision, as Rashi explains it, is the rain falls to the ground, the droplets pop back up, and then rain pops into them. Which means to say you're noticing, you're seeing what? You're seeing the erasure of division. You're finding a unity of sorts. That's mata. That's my ma'al yonim. Yes? I understand. In other words, the imagery of Mishietzeh Hatan Likrat Kala. It would be really nice if it was raining, then. That much I'll tell you. Indeed. 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 And it's called Siyah HaSadeh and it's Sadeh. Indeed. In fact. That's right. That's right. So you have... uh, The truth is, I'm taking a quick break from this. On Friday night, I mentioned in a very different but similar context to our conversation, different in terms of the specific direction, but similar to what we're discussing, the Gemara Masechet Hulin and Dafsadi Aleph describes this fight of Yaakov, which we read about in the parasha, Vayeavek Ish Imo Adalot HaShahar, Vayeavek Milashon Avak, this wrestling uh, brought forth or, or, ra- ro- or rose up or caused to rise the sand, the dust of the ground. It says the Gemara, not only did it make it rise, it made it rise to the Kiseh HaKabod. What a strange description to the Kiseh HaKabod. What does it have to do with the struggle? I imagine, uh, forgive me for imagining once in a while, I imagine that as similar to the Sulama Musav Arsa at the beginning of Parashat Vayeseh, where there the demonstration, the direction, the lesson to Yaakov, you're leaving the Yoshev Ohalim lifestyle, you're leaving the Ishtam, now go out into the world and find a way to connect heavens and earth on his way back, right before getting back, quote-unquote, into perhaps what he envisioned as back at home, maybe the Yoshev, the Yoshev Ohalim Ishtam lifestyle, he now is struggling and he raises the earth to the heavens. He can't bring, per se, the heavens downward, but he brings the earth upward. And as a result, he erases that division. It's, in fact, what the Hachamim have in mind, perhaps, in Masechet Bava Messiah, when they describe that the Demut Diokin of Yaakov being on Kiseh HaKabod, why is it on Kiseh Why Yaakov? Because he's that individual who has that unique and really fundamental skill and ability to merge those two 
to enmesh that bottom and, and upper layers of existence and understand that there isn't any division between them after all. On Sukkot, we talked about the fact that the Hachamim and Masechet Sukkah refer to the Sukkah, the Sechach of the Sukkah, as being referred to in that Pasuk of Ve'ed Ya'alem in Ha'aretz. And they envision it as a result as the Sechach not being a Davar HaMekabil Tumah, which is a strange description, I said. What type of description is that? I've been telling you throughout, we're talking about Matar. We're not talking about Ve'ed Ya'alem in Ha'aretz. Ve'ed Ya'alem in Ha'aretz is the unideal life. The ideal life is being able to get the rain from above. However, listen to the imagery. The imagery on Sukkot is you're taking the Ed Min Ha'aretz, placing it on your Sechach on your Sukkah, and in turn, throughout the holiday, I know we only exemplify it at the end, but technically speaking, the Gemara Noshana says that throughout the holiday, that's when we're Nidon Alamayim, that's the holiday on which we raise up the Maima Tahtonim, and in turn, turn to say to God, can you now bring down the Maima Ilyonim? It's the Talmud Yerushalmi Amar Bilevi, if you thought I took those, there you are, Ralph, here I was plagiarized, plagiarizing the words of the rabbis, Amar Bilevi, it happens to be that I had the thought before I found it, but it was beautiful. And now I decided that's what it means. Anyway, it says Talmud Yerushalmi. That's what Maim Ha'ilyonim, Maim Ha'ilyonim are the Zakhar, they're the masculinity, they're the Mashpia, the Maim Ha'tahtonim are the mekabel, that's our lowly existence in which we seek, we yearn for those maim ha'ilyonim. I bring you back before I even conclude the thought to the statement of Tana Develiyahu. Tana Develiyahu says, through the study of Torah, you're mefakpeg et You're making that hole in it. Umevi matar la'olam. Does that mean when we need rain, if we needed rain, we're studying Torah? Certainly, but not so narrow. It means in order to conjoin the lower and upper realms, you do it through Torah. That's what puts on your proper lenses. That's how you understand true existence. That's how you enmesh the Maim Ha'ilyonim with those of Tahtonim. That's where you find that there is no, that although it seems as if there's a division between Aretz and Shamayim, they're really one and the same. It's in fact in the context of rainwater as opposed to natural fertility, if you'll call it. <coughs> it's the difference between the way of Lot, <coughs> the way of Lot in source number eight, and Parashat Lech Lecha, when Lot splits from Abraham, Vaisa Lot et Enav. All right, the story I told with regards to this, notwithstanding, I love it. Vayaret Kol Kikar Hayaden Kukula Mashke. So Lot raises his eyes very briefly. Abraham, I imagine, is gushing with pride in that moment. Can you imagine my protege? He knows how to raise his eyes also. That's Abraham. He raises his eyes. He sees the people. He sees the ram. He sees the mountain. My protege, he raises his eyes. And yet, what does he see? Uh, he sees Sedom and Amora, Kikula Mashke, before the destruction, Ke'eretz Misraim Uli, sees it like Egypt, Ke'gan Adonai, that's Gan Eden, are you serious? It was, to a certain respect, Gan Eden, a world in which there was no process, in which humanity was not as much an integral role in connecting them, but Lord, you're missing the whole point. I was so proud of you for a moment. You followed my ways, you raised your eyes, and what did you see? You saw the deficient way of, of existence. You saw the way of Maimatahtonin. It's in stark contrast to the life of Abraham who makes his way into Egypt during times of need. Otherwise, he's staying in Canaan. He's subsisting, he's living 
based on it's what Moshe says to Am Yisrael in Parashat Ekev if I'm not mistaken here in source number 9 this land is not like the land of Egypt in Egypt you just went out and you kind of planted your, your vegetables it was just an easy existence you had I'll add an irrigation system you had a Nile which by the way was envisioned by the Egyptian culture as being a constant for eternity the land you're going to no irrigation systems you won't really be able to do that because it's a land of valleys and mountains and as a result you want to know what you're going to be dependent on you're going to have to be dependent upon the ironic reality it'll be more difficult but you'll be sustained by no longer Eretz says Moshe if you think this is just a challenge you should understand there's an opportunity it's an opportunity to find in a very real way the eyes of God the existence of God in your life at all points at every juncture because living in that land means being dependent not on you won't even have that urge. It's not a possibility. It's all about Maim Ha'ilyonim. It's that unique capability of Eris Yisrael. It's for that reason that the Hachamim described the Avira de Eris Yisrael, Mahkim, the, the very air of the land is Mahkim, because the land is in it of itself. Through this description of Moshe, a land which is ripe in opportunity beyond any other circumstance you can find. Just think about it in the natural fashion, the physical fact, fact of fashion, and then expand and understand in the broader sense what it means to be sustained by in a very real way. Okay, well those are the words of Nefesh HaChayim from Tanad Veliyal, but he concludes this Perek with one last statement from Tanad Veliyal. Fundamentally, Tanad Veliyal was capping off this entire discussion of Torah being that prism, the vehicle through which you can understand existence, you can further existence. In our words now, in the final word, you could, words, you could bring forth rain, not the physical, well, maybe the physical rain as well, but fundamentally you can merge, you can collapse these words. Ve'amar Shamod, he says, four lines from the bottom. It says, furthermore, in Tanad Veliyal, that any time that Amisel is studying Torah and fulfilling, following the words of their Father in Heaven, Sakadosh Baruch HaKadosh Baruch Hu Ba'atzmon Nifna Alehem Livracha Kivyachol HaKadosh Baruch Hu turns for Beracha, with Beracha. Shene Emar, Emet Me'eres Tismach Vesedek Mishamayim Nishkaf. Listen to Pasuk and Tehilim. Emet, which is envisioned as truth. What is emet and sheker in our world? It's Torah, of course. Me'eres tismach. That will sprout out, sprout up from the eres. We study Torah in this world. As a result, the reciprocal reaction is, Seedek mishamayim nishkaf. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, looks down and in turn showers down. Seedek righteousness, his ways to us. It means that we in eres are involved in a pursuit of emet, Maybe, albeit, parentheses, if you know what I'm talking about, through a methodology of Tovara. But when it comes down to it, we're seeking Emet, Torah, and through that, a reciprocal reaction from God, the Hatan HaYoseh Likrat Kala, in the words of Talmud Yerush, uh, in the words of Gemara Masechet Ta'anit and Dafav, he will then meet us with his Sedek from the heavens. How do you know that that's what it means in the Pasuk? En Hashkafa says, Tanat Veliyahu Ela Beracha, the word Nishkaf, 
which literally means Vayashkef of Abraham, means to look out, but the word is associated with Berachash in Emar, Pasuk in Parashat Kitabo, Ashkifa Ubarechet Ammecha, right? Those are the words that we said upon bringing the Bikurim. Look down, Akadosh Baruch Hu, and then bring forth your Berachah, because looking down means showering with Berachah. So that's the conclusion of this Perek. To a large extent, it's the conclusion of that specific conversation, that discussion of Nefesh Hayim over the course of several Perakim. In the next several Perakim ahead, they're somewhat disjointed. What he's now going to do, he's going to take a few chapters to do so, and we respect him for doing so. He's going to talk about different merits, different opportunities through Torah. A little less systematic, maybe not as organized as the last few, but he's going to do a few of these talking about the importance and the significance of studying Torah and what it will bring about. So, you know, this is, if you're looking for the most Musar aspects of Nefesh HaHayim, it's these next several chapters, before he gets back on somewhat of his program that he began with. So here it is. We, so to speak, in studying Torah, we're mevarech. How are we mevarech? Well, we are ma'atzil beracha. How are we ma'atzil beracha? Through the study of Torah, we sustain existence. We push forward existence. We continue existence. We sustain it. Well, as a result, we're a mevarech. We shower that beracha, of course, in conjunction with God to others. Mitbarech. Don't think that those around you in the world, so to speak, as something separate from you gets beracha. You you as well get beracha. In other words, by conjoining worlds, by being able to, in some way, shake up the foundations of existence, it'll affect you as well. Don't imagine, as we've said on so many occasions, that anything that takes place here doesn't have reverberations, quote-unquote, there, and anything that has reverberations there is in some way affecting us here. There's always... There's always that symbiosis in, 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 in Jewish thought of the Homer and the Surah, of the spiritual and the, and the physical. And so as a result, as says Nefesh HaHayim, don't think you're just doing something out of this world. You're being affected in this world as well. That's, of course, an illusion from the Torah, but the kavod, the glory of God, will in turn hover above you at all times. He talks about his vision, or the Kabbalistic vision, of Nishama, longer conversation, which we had then, maybe should have on another occasion, but in short, just in the most basic sense, it's the way the Torah describes it, it's the most basic way, it's, implants within us a portion of him. As a result, if through your study of Torah you're in some way drawing closer to him, it means that you're realizing that latent potential within you called neshama. So it stands to reason that your neshama, the more you're attached to Torah, it will in turn be magnified or it will be in it will be lit up more if you want to use physical words in that respect now you need not read this as a reciprocal reaction external so to speak in other words for example the way some nefesh uh, haim himself i think well, certainly others, suggest that sechar mitzvah mitzvah means not necessarily that God, therefore, by doing a mitzvah, puts in your way another mitzvah. But rather, if you involve yourself in mitzvah, it means that now is within your orbit and the next mitzvah is coming your way and in turn, the next one and so forth. So the description over here as well of a neshama 
being altered through the study of Torah, the description of Adam Kadesh Asmo Milimata, you found the Kiddush in this world, so it gets showered from above, well, you're kind of affecting that, right? In other words, by you realizing it, it kind of happened as a result. Sometimes you do just a little, and it has the effect, which is a lot grander and greater than you imagined. He continues, Where's Musa when you need him? It's a reference to the Pasuk in the Torah, which you'll find on source number 10. On day 5, God brings forth, excuse me, on day 4th, four, God brings forth, day 5, God brings forth the uh, fish. And in the description of the fish, it says, and it says, furthermore, and you'll see those words in several circumstances. That word specifically, what does the word mean? So, of course, there are eight sheratzim, the Mishnah says in Masechet Shabbat, which, of course, are the eight types of creepy crawling beings. But what does the word mean? Well, the word, before even reading onward in Zohar, the word, as Unkulus suggests, is, yirhashun maya. Rahish hayata ve'ofa. Rahish means to move. The description of, of Unkulus, of Sheretz, of Yeshretsu, is movement, which makes a lot of sense. It means the source of existence for those being, beings is movement. Ramban, as a matter of fact, says that perhaps Sheretz is a compound word. It's Shehu rats, that it runs. It's this movement. And as a result, says Ramban, you kind of understand when God commands humankind in the days of Noah and afterward that we should be peru urvu v'shirsubar. It's a description not only of procreation, but of movement. Because movement is what drives existence. It's what sustains existence. Well, you might know as a result where Zohar is going to go with this. Zohar is going to say that movement is not in the physical sense per se. That movement is in your engagement in Torah. You have to be constantly moving in the engagement in Torah. It can't become static. It can't just be Hazara without any Hidushim. Hidushim says, uh, says Zohar, kera it telat pikudin. In this pasuk of Yeshesu Hamayim, there are three separate, if we're creative, says Zohar. Are commands. What are they? Had one of them, one of them is to toil, to study, to involve yourself in oraita in Torah. Afushe uh, means to, 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 to make greater, to do more. So it's to involve yourself, to, to continue in the study of Torah, to broaden the Torah. Of course, those are the key words for nefesh ha'chayim, that by so doing, you're going to achieve a tikkun nefesh veruach. Again, the understanding as I have it is if you have a chilek eloami ma'al within you, the more you realize it, the more you're makirbo, the more it becomes lit up, so to speak. The more, or, or once a person determines that he's going to be osek batora, it taken benishmata ahara kadisha dektiv, sheres nefesh haya. Nefesh Tehahi Haya Kadisha through Sheres, through the movement, this is the Dirasha of Zohar, you therefore achieve Nefesh Haya. It's through the movement 
that your nefesh gets a certain li- life to it, life force to it. So if you follow what he's describing, what, what Zohar and in turn nefesh Hayim are describing is the more movement you have, not necessarily, in, but as well in the physical sense, the greater you become as a person who is embodying it's the movement which empowers existence, it's the movement which, so to speak, brought forth existence. Yes, uh, Rambi. It's the person who's learning, yes. Now, that being the case, I mean, you might therefore understand several basic statements, but maybe they have a greater depth for you now. The Gemara Masech Berachot Mdav Samechtale, Damar Bihya, source 13, Barashe Amarav, Talmideh Hachamim, En Lahem Menucha, Lo Ba'olam Hazeh, Lo Ba'olam Haba, Talmideh Hachamim should and will never have any resting place. Not in this world, nor in the world to come. If you want to, and you will, see God, so to speak. It's It's a constant movement. This is the final passage of the Gemara and Berachot. Such a beautiful passage. Don't stop your learning. You can't at any point. If you're Talmud Hacham, if you're an aspiring Talmud Hacham, it's constant movement. It's constant Yishresu. It's a constant Sheretz, Nefesh, Haya. You want Nefesh, Haya? It has to be Sheretz. It sounds crazy. It's sounds almost disgusting. We're referring to ourselves as sheretz, as creeper crawlers. But that's right. In our understanding of self, in our understanding of Torah, has to be a constant crawling, a constant movement. It's Rashi at the very onset of this coming week's parasha. Rashi, in the second pasuk, not in that first one, Perik Lamedzayim, pasuk bet, picks up on the fact that the Torah almost uh, almost superfluous, in a superfluous fashion, extraneous way of saying, he settles down. What was the necessity? Tell me he settles down, says the Midrash, based on Rashi, that, that Rashi cites. He says, Bikesh Yaakov, Yaakov wanted to settle down Bishalva. He wanted to just take it easy. Miyad, immediately, kafatz alav, shel Yosef. It's for that reason, so to speak, as punishment for settling down, that Yosef and all the difficulties that, that were encountered with him were pronounced, were, were, were sent to him by God. Well, that's a terrible thing. What do you mean? He couldn't take it easy? That's right. The Gemara Masech Berachot says, Tamideh Hachamim can't take it easy. Zohar is making this point to us. Nefesh Hayim is strengthening this. If you're a person, who is a person who's driven by growth it means you're constantly moving the second you become static is the second that your growth ends and not only ends it's the second you begin to descend but I thought I was reached an equilibrium I thought I reached a state and place where I was now comfortable with my understandings my personal growth and I was just going to ride it out that's the statement of Zohar as well again the statement is that to once you're involved in Torah, you in turn achieve a sheretz nefesh haya, ironically. Let's just finish with this line. And as a person endeavors and involves himself in Torah, in the words that you whisper within it, it's through that 
that you achieve this nefesh haya. Ulemehader, and in turn you revert backward. Lemehader means to turn back. Kemalachin kadishin. After all, our existence, even in this world, we began with a certain naivete. We began, it's true, with a yeser hara, but certainly with a little bit more of an unblemished soul. The more Torah that's endeavored upon by you, the more Torah that's studied, the more understanding you have of life and of yourself through Torah, the more kedusha you'll achieve, the more nefesh haya you'll bring forth. Da araita di ikre ma'im, the Torah in many places, hoi kol ma'im, is described as water, yishresun, the Torah, not only will you be moving, but in turn the Torah will be moving. V'yifkun rehasha de nefesh haya me'atar da'i haya, umashkin lah letata, kemadi itmar, velda amar David, lev tehor berali Elohim, lemir'ebo raita ochedin, veruach nachon hadesh bekirbi, the description through and through is one in which there is a reciprocity. The more you involve yourself in it, the more movement that comes from you, the more movement, so to speak, from above, the more water that flows to you, bring us back to our initial conversation of those Maim Ha'ilyonim, seeking Maim Ha'ilyonim. It's not enough just to pray. It's not enough just to search. It's not enough. Torah will be the conduit through which you'll understand life better by understanding existence better, by being able to perceive, to seek out and find God in all of existence. That in turn is a life style, not of Maim HaTahtonim, which is the base level, the life of a mundane individual who seeks and finds God in specific segments, but rather Maim HaElyonim showered showered upon and basking in the divine realm within this world. That's the goal, that's the ambition. It's through the movement of Torah, of our minds, of our souls, that we achieve a life, hopefully, of Maim HaElyonim, of being Mifakpik, or making the Pekak, and the rakia, as he described quite eloquently from Tanad Veliau, and showering forth the matar hashamayim. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.